Come on, everybody. Here we go. Up to Neverland. Welcome to Detour to Neverland, where we interview Disney content creators and product producers. We share Disney stories and strategies for how to grow your Disney hobby or business. Here's your host, Brendan Wright. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. The Disney community is filled with so many different people who are able to express their love for Disney in different creative outlets. Today, we're so happy to be joined by Terry Whelan Jr., who has an amazing book coming out. I actually got a little bit of a preview of it today, and I'm so excited to have you on, share your story. The book is titled, What the Magic Means, 10 Stories of How the Magic of Disney Impacts Our Lives. Amazing title, amazing book. So Terry, thank you so much for joining us. If you could go ahead and introduce yourself, maybe give us a little brief synopsis of the book for our listeners. Yeah, so uh, as you uh, as you just give me the intro, my name is Terry Wheeland, uh, and this is kind of my you know first project in this. I really wanted to kind of just put my stamp on the community, and what I did is I just kind of had an idea to uh, you know really share the stories that are out there, um, share my story, but also kind of give the reader the opportunity to share their story, and that's a big part of what the book is about. And so, you know, just kind of as a lot of entrepreneurs had an idea and kind of kicked it around for a while and, and finally just said, you know, I want to do this. I'm going to do it and, and made that decision this year. So that's awesome. So to kick it off, I think a great place to start is kind of how you start your book as well, kind of sharing your Disney story and to put it in your own terms, what does the magic mean to you? I think it's, uh, you know, it, it's for me, it's it's harder to to pinpoint um, you know, I, in the book, I talk about, you know, walking in there as an 11 year old, I was just mesmerized by how everything worked more than, you know, characters or merchandise or, you know, even sometimes the attraction. I just, you know, walked around remembering, you know, thinking, how in the world do they do this? And and so that's a big part of it for me is just, you know, uh, you know, how how do they create the magic um, and, you know, and, and then all the other things on top of that, you know, uh, the, the actual building of the attractions, um, as I'll, I'm always mesmerized, you know, by that and, and, and listening to the Imagineers. Um, but I think really at the end of the day, the magic for me is, is in Walt more than anything else. Um, I've studied Walt really since college. And, you know, he's he's a big part of, of Disney for me. And he's a big part of the of the uh, the passion that I have, you know, just being what I call a student of his. Uh, it's a, you know, that's I think that's the basis of, of the magic for me. I love that. That's really cool. Um, we actually just watched, a, I guess, what would you call it? like a documentary on Walt on Netflix the other night? And that that was kind of our first. Um, we've never really dove into the really history and story of Walt more than what you get in the park. So that was really eye-opening for us, I think, to be able to see kind of where he, how the, the company grew with him, I think, was, was, was really important. And I think it mirrors a lot of the same thoughts that you have that kind of, that you mentioned in the book. And I don't want to spoil too much of it because I know that so many people need to read it. Um, but kind of centers around the Snow White era and how kind of that was the turning point uh, for Walt and, and Disney as we know it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, my my opinion is December 31st, 1937 is the most important night in the history of this company because if Snow White 
didn't succeed, I don't know that we would have what we have today. Now, Walt was obviously a genius and probably would have come up with something else, but we don't know that. You know, they they banked everything that they had on uh, on that night for Snow White. So, you know, it's it's a it's a big you know, it's, it's an important thing for me. It's, it's something that I have, have studied, you know, just leading up to that night, everything that went into that night, you know, there's really good books about, you know, the creation of Snow White that's out there. So, um, you know, I, I think that's an important piece of the puzzle of the, of the history. So kind of as you were writing your book, where did you get the inspiration you know, I, I think just hearing stories, reading, you know, I'm a big reader and and just reading some of the books that are out there, some of the biographies of, you know, Disney legends. And, you know, uh, I am a, a personal development and leadership coach. Um, that's kind of, you know, what I do for as my day job. And so I wanted to figure out a way to, you know, share these stories. But as I said before, you know, kind of give the reader the option or the opportunity to to share their story and bring kind of that you know i guess mold that little uh, personal development piece into it and so you know it's just sort of a process that i went through just thinking about what it would look like and you know i, I it was actually going to be a podcast to uh, to begin with and then as i thought through it i just kind of said you know I'd, I'd rather this be in a book form and uh, you know where the almost turn it into kind of a journal that uh, you know they can sit down read the chapter and then go through and, and kind of write their story chapter by chapter mm-hmm. that's amazing and you know so you sent me um, the manuscript of the book earlier today I read through so much of it already just this afternoon it's amazing uh, I really enjoyed so much of it and you know I think what's so impactful to me is that you got a lot of people that I was familiar with in the Disney community, content creators or people who are really prevalent in the Disney community. But there are some people um, that you were able to connect with that I wasn't as familiar with them. But hearing those Disney stories, hearing how it's impacted so many people and and really changed the course of their life is so amazing. So how how did you decide kind of who you wanted to approach and then once you were sitting down with these people, what was your approach to getting them to share their Disney story? I got really lucky in the beginning by just kind of, you know, making a list of people and I didn't have to go very far down that list before I was able, you know, to get those 10 interviews. And and, and really the way that I did it is, is looking at some of the people, uh, you know, some of the content creators that you mentioned, some of the people that I interacted with online, you know, Michael K., um, John Sakari, who bigfatpanda.com, uh, Serena Lynn from Living by Disney, um, you know, so, so those people that I saw who had made that, uh, they obviously had impacted them a great deal to to create a business out of it. And then, you know, some of the other people that I I had read their books, and um, and then just some people that I kind of admired. You know, Jim Corcus is, you know, sort of the father of of Disney history, and you know, so I, I he was somebody that I've had the opportunity to kind of get to know now, and you know, I knew that I could learn a ton from him, and you know, he writes great books. I think he's over 25 books about Disney and animation at this point, but nobody really knows his story. You know, there's not a biography of Jim. So I wanted to kind of capture what that was because, you know, we hear so much about what they did for Disney, you know, Margaret Carey, Tinkerbell and Ron Schneider was the dream finder journey into imagination. 
but I wanted to know more about what led up to that. You know, what was their passion to, to, to follow that into making that a career. So, you know, just a, a lot of, I tried to, to grab different people from different eras and, you know, people that were former cast members, people that were content creators. Uh, a friend of mine, the last chapter is a girl named Kara Mall, who I, we actually met through a pilot program that Disney had with Disney Vacation Club about seven or eight years ago. And so, you know, she's become a great friend of mine and, and she's part of my Disney story. And so I just wanted to try to grab different pieces like that and put it together. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, you know, with all of these people, obviously Disney is a big part of their lives and you've kind of already shared that Disney has definitely impacted you and, you know, your interests and it's had a big influence on your life. Um, so in addition to writing this book, you know, how else do you incorporate Disney into your everyday life? Well, I'm luckily now a local to the Orlando area, so I get to frequent the theme parks really every week, sometimes, uh, you know, numerous times a week. Uh, so, you know, I, I get to be a consumer of that, uh, you know, almost on a daily basis. Um, but again, you know, a lot of it is the history for me. So I, I constantly read, you know, biographies of Walt or biographies of the Imagineers or, you know, stories of how certain things came, you know, how certain movies were put together and, you know, just, uh, you know, trying to trying to, I guess, be as close to, you know, that Disney historian as I can, um, just from a knowledge standpoint, because, you know, like I said, that's, that's the important piece of it for me. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting that you mentioned that because kind of our journey with Disney, of course, we grew up with the movies, um, always went to the theme parks. And then it just kind of clicked for us that, you know, there's ways that we can incorporate Disney into our home life as well. There's things that we can do. There's content that we can consume to people to extend that magic. And we've chatted about how it's kind of Catherine and I's evolution of Disney fans is that that history piece is a piece that we've always been missing, but it's probably something that we'll dive into. So has that kind of always been a thing for you where it's sort of like Disney fandom and this Disney passion is a rabbit hole that there's always something new to explore. There's always something new that you can grab onto and, and continue to learn about what you love so much. Yeah, I think, I think pretty early on for me, it became about how Walt put the whole thing together. And, you know, as much as I love you know, what the new attraction is going to be or the new, you know, resort restaurant or something like that. Um, it, I'm always so much more curious about, you know, how we got to today more than what's coming up. And, and you know, and, and that's just me. I know the excitement for, for most people that come into the parks is the parks itself. Um, so, yeah, I, it really started early for me. And, I, and again, I think it was just kind of that walking around trying to figure out how they just put it all together. And, uh, and so that kind of, you know, I went back and I, I started really studying the company. I started studying, uh, Walt and, and that's kind of been my passion in it. That's great. Well, I think we've covered a lot about the book. I'm sure so many people are intrigued. So I think the next logical question is where can people find the book and, and get it, get their hands on it? Well, we actually just went live today on Amazon uh, about two weeks early. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited about that to get it out before Christmas. 
so you can you can go to Amazon, search what the magic means, or search search my name, and you'll be able to find the uh, the paperback and the ebook there. Or you can get a signed copy directly from me, and you can go to my website, which is whatthemagicmeans.com forward slash book. Mm-hmm. That's great. I think kind of my thoughts of reading through it today and you know, with my dumb brain, this is the best thing that I could come up with, but I, I think it really does um, kind of explain my thoughts on the book. I think it's a perfect combination of storytelling, education, and self-discovery. And I think when you think about it, that that's really something that Walt would be proud of, that it's that it works as a journal. It's something that's working with you, but also telling you different stories and, and sharing stories. So I think it's absolutely amazing. I appreciate that. Um, you know, that, that was that was my goal is I wanted to be, you know, journal based. Uh, it's a relatively quick read done on purpose, uh, you know, because it's something that my hope is, you know, people will grab it and they'll they'll read it on the plane down or in the car ride down and and make it part of their trip and 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 take the time and and kind of go through that and write their story and I actually at the end of the book I give them the opportunity to put it all together and send it to me and share their story with me. Mhm. That's great. So moving on from the book and I'm sure we'll bring it up later in the conversation as well. Um but some of your more general Disney fandom so I know you are a DVC DVC member as well. We are Kind of what we haven't talked about it much on this podcast. What are your thoughts on DVC? Not as much on the investment standpoint, but just DVC and the advantages that it gives you to be part of that organization. I'm a huge fan, um, to be honest. Uh, you know, just the the ability to. Uh, we've been DVC members since 2005, and so you know, really the ability to plan a vacation and not have to worry about the uh, resort part of it um, because that's already taken care of, you know, not have to budget for that, not have to, you know, think about that too much. I mean, obviously you get to have the luxury of picking pretty much what you want, but I, I you know, I, so I like that piece of it. I like the, the benefits that it offers from a, you know, moonlight magic, um, even though it's extremely difficult to get in if you're not staying. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of those added benefits, you know, discounts if you're not a pass holder. Because um, I even, you know, even living 35 minutes away, I still use D- my DVC all the time. You know, I'll go and, and I'll book a room for a night and I'll spend, you know, two days, whether it's at the parks or it's resort hopping or it's Disney Springs, something like that. And I'll kind of go on, you know, a little mini vacation for two or three days. So, you know, even living as a local, I love using it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Our experience with it, I can't remember how many years we've been members now, but it's been amazing. Our home is a Polynesian and actually as our entire extended family, which is six, now seven with our brand new niece, We've never all went at the same time. Next year, we just booked at our 11-month mark to be able to all go down, spend a week at the Polynesian, be our niece's first time in Disney World. So we're just so excited and so thankful that DVC affords us that opportunity. Yep, that's awesome. My parents and I actually split the membership when we bought in. And so, you know, we try to, I would say every maybe two or three years, plan it out to where, you know, we'll get two rooms and we'll be down there at the same time. And, uh, and and have that kind of family vacation. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's awesome. Well, I think we've covered some great topics. The next thing that we'll jump into is our fast pass round. So we'll just kind of share some Disney topics. If you just share the first thing that comes to your mind so our listeners can get to know your Disney fandom a little bit better. No problem. All right. So the first one is an easy one. Just name the Disney parks that you have visited. Um, Disney, uh, Walt Disney World, obviously. And technically, I've been to Disneyland, but it was one time in the middle of the summer on a Saturday about 15 years ago. And I think we went on Haunted Mansion and Indiana Jones and and that was it. Um, so I, I don't even really count Disneyland at this point, uh, but that's, that's it. We can definitely feel your pain. Oh, we just got back from our first trip from Disneyland and the difference in crowds between a weekday and a Friday was crazy. It was unreal. I've never seen yeah. anything like it. So, you know, <laughs> Disneyland is kind of the original locals park. You know, that's that's that was the idea of it. Now Orlando has kind of turned into that. So, you know, from by Friday afternoon, Disneyland is jam-packed until Sunday night. Mm-hmm. So, of the Walt Disney World parks, which one is your favorite and why? I think I would still have to say Epcot. Um, you know, and a lot of that is just the the history and, and the meaning of it for me. It was the first park that we went in, um, you know, in that first vacation. And, you know, those initial attractions have still to this day stuck with me. You know, obviously Spaceship Earth is still there, um, you know, but just remembering th- things like Horizons, um, you know, I, I would give anything to go on Horizons again. So I, I, I think that Epcot just affords us, you know, that, that look into the future that, you know, so many of us uh, enjoy. Um, and then they have the whole world showcase piece of it too. That is a completely different experience, but you know, you can get lost in world showcase for a day and, and not even remember that you're in Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. I was, I've been curious to ask this question ever since I was reading this morning, because I know spaceship earth has been very impactful for you and, and such a great attraction from your childhood. Have you mentally prepared yourself for the refurbishment that it's going to go under? I'm getting there. I'm, I'm <laughs> definitely getting there. Um, you know, I, I even I, I have to accept the fact that it needs some updating. Right? There's no question about it. Um, I'm just, I guess, on pins and needles trying to stay calm about what those updates are. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, I, I mean, I'm excited to see what they come up with. So, because you know, obviously, there's incredible technology that they didn't have in 1982 so uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll see what happens sometimes they hit it out of the park and and sometimes it's kind of so 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 i'm hoping this one isn't so so <laughs> yeah hopefully so so then as you think towards future disney trips what's your disney bucket list trip i, I really think that a kind of all in Disneyland trip would be first just because I haven't experienced it, you know, to, to really be on the grounds where Walt created this whole thing that we all love. Um, that would be, you know, the start of it for me. And then after that, I think right now would probably be Tokyo because I just hear amazing things about Tokyo. Mm hmm. We are on the same page. So luckily we checked off Disneyland. I I feel like Paris is going to be the most accessible next one for us, but I wish Tokyo was going to be the next one, but hopefully we'll we'll check all of them off by the by when it's all said and done. Yeah, that's my plan. My plan is to get to all of them. So Well, perfect. So, being a local, it might be a fun question for you. Your favorite Disney resort? Oh, such a great question. Um 
it's something I struggle with. I would probably say uh, I don't really want to pick between Grand Floridian and Polynesian. Um, I'm going to say both of those, so I'm going to cheat and have two. Um, <laughs> You know, because I, I, they're they're very different experiences, but they're just really high level experiences. You know, I mean, the the food is good, the atmosphere is good. Um, you know, you're right across the lagoon from Magic Kingdom. You can watch fireworks. You're on the monorail. Um, I I just I love staying there anytime that I can. So then, if we think about the parks, if you could only fast pass one ride for the rest of your life, which ride would it be? I'm going to say right now, as we sit here, probably Flight of Passage, just because of where we're at in these times. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's amazing. It's unlike anything we've ever seen, and it probably is at the top of my list right now. Mm-hmm. Can't argue with that. I think maybe a good gauge of something we've asked some other people is what is the maximum amount of time that you would wait for Flight of Passage? And your answer is probably different since you're a local but do you have a number that that you won't you won't get in the queue for? Yeah, I stood in line for I had a fast pass for Flight of Passage, and I got there early one day and I stood in line for um, Navi River Journey, and and that was a ninety minute wait, and that was probably pushing it for me. Um, I, but I would I, I think I would probably stand in line for two hours to go on Flight of Passage. That might change now because I've been on it so many times, but if it was, you know, my only chance for a long period of time, I'd be willing to wait. Yeah, last trip, we were sitting in Satuli Canteen just scrolling through the app, trying to see what the wait times were, and we saw that Flight of Passage had been over two hours all day long, and it dropped to 90 minutes. So we immediately like scarfed down our food, ran over and got in the queue. It ended up being closer to two hours because they ended up not running at full capacity the entire time. But I got off and I did not regret those two hours at all. It kind of all washed away once you got to experience that ride. It was my first time, Catherine's second time. But I think the queue, you know, once you get inside, the queue is pretty cool. Um, the way that they have it all set up. So there's a lot to see and a lot to kind of keep your attention for a while. So I would definitely agree with that. Mm-hmm. So next question, sticking with rides, which ride do you think is due for an exit from the park or refurbishment or maybe just need some TLC? I think Journey into Imagination has to <laughs> has to have something happen to it. Um, I don't necessarily want to see it go away. I'd like to Again, you know, because of, of what it means to me, I'd like to see some of it revert back to what it was. Um, but I think it, it is in dire need of, of something. I would agree. It I honestly hadn't even known that ride was there until, like, what, maybe four years ago? What? or When was the first time we rode that? I, I mean, my family rides it every trip, so I guess you guys just skipped it all those years? Yeah, I hadn't rode it until I went with you for the first time. Mm. So I would agree. That could use some love. You probably rode it during the second iteration of it and then rode it off and, and never got back for the third. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, and nowadays there's so many people who never experienced the, the first one, so they have no idea what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I have very vague memories of it, just enough where I know that it was amazing <laughs> to to make me want it to be back like that. And of course, now I've watched YouTube videos of it and whatnot. But I it it pains for me to hear people say that. But I 
I have to agree that it, it needs some work. It needs to get back to its glory. Yeah. It needs, you know, somebody said it to me, and, and I didn't think about it until they explained it. Um, but somebody said that they need it. They need to change it so to bring Figment back to what he was and not the what their words were snotty teenager that he currently is. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty perfect. Yep, that's fair. That's fair. So then our favorite portion of the fast round questions, what is your favorite snack or your go-to snack? Off the top of my head, I say Dole Whip and I, and cause that's kind of my go-to. Um, yeah, I, I would probably say somewhere between, a Dole Whip and a mango margarita from Mexico, depending on the day. <laughs> Those are two solid choices. <laughs> yeah. So the the ultimate question is: Are you a Dole Whip float or just a Dole Whip soft serve guy? I I'm just a really a soft serve guy. I've I've tried. I would actually rather have the citrus swirl if I'm going float. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I just the regular soft serve. It's hard to mess up a classic like that. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So next, moving into restaurants. So maybe your favorite table service restaurant and favorite quick service restaurant. Quick service is probably Mexico where I can get, you know, nachos and a margarita, something like that, just in the middle of the day. Um, Table service for me is like picking your favorite child, really. Um, (laughs) You know, it's there's so many different things to experience. Um, You know, I, I think... One of the best meals I've ever had is probably at Yachtsman Steakhouse. Uh, and then I would, after that, I would probably say California Grill just because of, you know, the food is good, the ambiance. If you're there at the right time, you can see fireworks, you know, really a great experience. Mm-hmm. Great choices. So then um, when you think about going to the parks and kind of your memories at the parks, what is your favorite character meet and greet moment? I admittedly don't do a lot of meet and greets. Um, it's something that for some reason I've just bypassed for, for so many years. Uh, but I do have what I consider to be a pretty good answer to that because we just took earlier in the year in February, we took my mom to magic kingdom for the day for her birthday and she's a huge Tinkerbell fan. And so, you know, I had interviewed Margaret Carey for the book and had gotten to know her really well. And I got, Margaret to autograph a copy of her book and and a few pictures and put it all together and I gave that to my mom for her birthday and and while we were in Magic Kingdom uh, we snuck her into the meet and greet with Tinkerbell and she had no idea that it was even there and so you know we took a bunch of pictures in there so that was a really great day for us yeah that's awesome that's great that was a really that is one portion of the book that I got to today absolutely amazing human being cannot rave about her enough that was that was a great segment she's uh, she's incredible i mean you know she's almost 90 years old and still traveling she was just in florida over this last weekend doing an event so you know she's still traveling and doing tons of events she's full of energy uh, you know just a great lady that's great so the next few questions will be outside of the parks but your favorite Disney movie? I know that's a doozy of a question. It is a doozy of a question. <laughs> and and when you had asked me, you know, showed me that, you know, I, I still have a hard time. And I think it's, again, it's the historical, it's the traditionalist. I still have a hard time, you know, mixing Marvel and, and Star Wars into this. So if I have to include Star Wars, it's, you know, the original Star Wars episode four without question. 
um, if I, if I'm sticking to, you know, true Disney, then, you know, it's, it's Snow White for me. Um, I think that it's so well done, you know, even that many years ago, um, I had a conversation with somebody and we were talking about how, you know, even the animation kind of still holds up today, 80 years later. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, everything that it means. So I, I definitely, I would say Snow White. So then this kind of goes with the, your favorite movie, but what's your favorite Disney song? I would have to say, uh, try everything by Shakira from Zootopia. And I think, you know, I, th- I think it really, again, for, for what I do for a living, it just is, uh, it's such a really, it's such a great song. Um, you know, the, the words kind of hit home for everybody really well. So I love that. That is a great choice. Such an underrated choice off the wall. That, that was amazing. I'm a huge fan of that movie. I think that movie got overlooked. I agree. Yeah, I definitely agree. So next one will be your favorite Disney quote, either from Walt himself or from any of the movies. I, I think that's a no-brainer for me. I think it's all of our dreams uh, come true if we have the courage to pursue them from Walt. Um, you know, again, it's just, it's so powerful and it's so relevant today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So this is kind of an off-the-wall question, but I'm just curious, since you've said you've read so many, you know, books and things on Walt, how many books do you think you've read about him? About him? Yeah. Specifically? Yeah. I would say probably 20 to 25, somewhere in there. Hmm. Do you think you'll ever run out of books to read on him? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, there's a lot out there. When I, if you, you know, like I've just kind of gone on and searched Walt Disney on, um, on Amazon and it comes up with like literally hundreds of listings. So I don't know. I, there's so many books out there and there's always, you know, everybody's creating new content. Um, so, you know, I'm sure somebody's working on a biography of Walt somewhere in the, in the world. <laughs> Do you have any kind of key ones that stand out that you would recommend for someone who's trying to get into the history of Walt? Uh, the, the one that is probably my favorite and I knew you're going to ask me this. And as soon as I thought of it, the, the, uh, title just totally escaped me it's it's from bob thomas um i can't think of what it's called and i'm really bad about that but um you know i i think that one is is a big one um i I think one that i really like um from sam genoway uh it's called uh walt and the promise of progress city or or something like that and it just talks about like walt's idea for epcot and, and, and kind of what was created from that and, and how, you know, how we got away from that. Um, that's a really good one for, for something specific like Epcot. Um, I, I would say those, and I'm really trying to figure out what the title of the Bob Thomas was, <laughs> and I just, I just can't think of it. I'll find it afterwards, and to our listeners, I'll put both of those books in our show notes. Uh, so and it's probably, can... the bad thing is, is it's probably the most famous biography of Walt that there is, <laughs> and I can't think of the title. Well, that's all right. Names escape us as well, uh, but we'll make sure we get that in the show notes uh, for our listeners to check those out. So the last question of our Fast Pass round is your favorite Disney Parks memory. I think for me, the... The, the one thing that I always think about from a, from a memory standpoint is the very first time I went on spaceship earth. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit the, the, 
beginning of the ride is a little bit different than it was. Um, it was a little darker, so you were kind of in a dark tunnel, and all you could hear was Walter Cronkite for a good probably 20 seconds. And I just remember that so vividly. Um, you know, obviously, you know, he starts out, and and the first two words out of his mouth are four eons, and then he goes into, you know, kind of his script. And so that's been so impactful on me that that's what I called my company. You know, so my company is actually for eons entertainment. Um, but you know, like I can almost tell you step by step going through that whole attraction for the first time. And that was almost 32 years ago at this point. So I, I will say that when I was reading this morning and you shared your experience of the first time on spaceship earth, I, I can honestly say I got chills. Because you explained it so vividly, you really felt like I was there, and it it was great. It really, truly is like super vivid in my mind, even as an eleven year old. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So the last question part of this round is something that we ask all of our guests, and it's if you could have a piece of pride and guidance that you can give someone who they have this love and this passion for Disney. Maybe they want to be a content creator, or create products, something to express their love for Disney. What's your piece of advice to that person? I would just tell them to do it. You know, there's not going to be a perfect time to do it. There's not going to be a perfect scenario. Um, you know, regardless of what you do, there's going to be, you know, what we call the haters that are that are going to be out there. Um, but the the community is going to, you know, a, a huge majority of the community is going to welcome you. They're going to love what you're doing. They're going to be just as excited about it as you are. Um, you know, they're going to share it out with their friends. And so I, I think it's, you know, one of the things that I struggled with, with this, with the book was, you know, I'm not an author, I, you know, who's going to read this? Does anybody even want to buy this? You know, does anybody care about the stories? And so you just have to get to a point where, you're, you get over that and you just do it and you know, you're proud of what you do and, and you get it out there. Yeah. I love that. I think that's amazing. And I think it kind of mirrors something. I actually read it on Twitter of all places this morning and they said, you know, if you're a content creator or if you're out there building any type of business that you just have to trust your ideas that some take longer to develop, some take longer to get an audience, Um, but if you just trust in your ideas that other people will latch on and I think that really hits that home. So I I love that. I think that's great advice. Yeah. I think that's a key part of it is, is, you know, you're going to attract the right people to your content. Um, I, I have a lot of people that will talk to me about, well, you know, it's, it's such a crowded space, especially Disney. You know, there's a, there's a ton of YouTubers, there's a ton of podcasts, there's a ton of books, but you have your own voice. And so, you know, it's, it's important uh, it's important to us that you get that out there, right? Because we, you know, we all want to hear that. We want to, we all want to give back to Walt any way that we can. That's kind of the way that I look at that. Um, and so, you know, people are going to be attracted to your voice. Not everybody, and it, that's just, you know, the way it is. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't write the next book. You can't start the next podcast. You can't, you know, be the next blogger. Um, Cause you're going to get your, you're going to, you're going to attract that crowd. Yeah. That's amazing. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, Terry, I thank you so much for coming on and joining us today. And I also thank you so much for putting the time and the effort and the passion into the book, what the magic means already. I can tell it's going to have a huge impact on my life and I know it'll impact so many other Disney and non Disney fans out there. So 
I appreciate the work you do. I know the Disney community does as well, and I thank you for joining us. I appreciate you guys having me. It means a lot. Absolutely. Well, to our listeners, you can connect with Terry at whatthemagicmeans.com. There you can find all of his social media outlets as well as read about the book, get yourself a copy. And yeah, we, we truly appreciate you chatting with us today. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure to subscribe to never miss the new episodes on Mondays, Tuesday, and Thursday. Be sure to leave us an iTunes review and share the show with your friends to help spread the magic. Connect with us on Instagram at detourtoneverland underscore podcast or at detourtoneverland.com.